GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode. Or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to I'm Listening. This is a Frasier fan podcast. I have a special second time guest today who was on the pod in season one. And I must say is the reason I got a uh, a massive amount. I consider it a massive amount of new followers because of uh, this gentleman. So today we have returning guest Anthony Oliveira on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me back. It's such a pleasure to talk about Fraser. I've been watching episodes all day. It's Sunday and I've been in pajamas just like watching the weirdest episodes I can find. So this is such a pleasure. I'm so glad. Yes, this is this is a special episode and it was actually Anthony's idea to uh, go with today's theme, which is going to be somewhere between high concept and weird and or both, um, which is kind of talking about episodes that sort of, I don't know, how would you describe it? In my mind, I was thinking, what do some of these weird high concept episodes have in common? And I was just thinking things that are outside of the box of usual Frasier. How would how would you describe yeah, I um, I mean, I'm interested in weirdness as a phenomenon in general. I think that, uh, I, so I wanted a chance to think about it. It was something that I hadn't thought about in Frasier yet. And so like putting together a list of like, which episodes stand out as somehow bizarre, whether it's like formally or whether it's structurally doing something strange or um, a sort of breaking with the show's formula, whatever that sure. means. And like, it was fun seeing how the episodes group like season wise, it was fun seeing how they group writer wise. So it was a fun little mm. experiment, at least on my end. Um, but yeah, I wanted to think about like ways that the show stops being a sitcom and starts looking like something else at various mm. moments. Yes. And and also the thing like there's a few episodes here um, we should we should which we can get into more specifically later. But like, you know, an episode like uh what is it? Uh, the Impossible Dream. Or oh, no, man. not The Impossible Dream. Well, no, not that one. Actually, Daphne Returns, where Niles and Frasier go into like old memories of Niles and Daphne. All I can think about was stuff <laughs> like that, where they're not in a studio. I'm trying to think, how is the audience watching this? Because right. in that episode, it's them, I, I don't know, in front of a green screen? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's... <sighs> They did film in front of a live studio audience. Like the writers talk, the actors talk variously about like feeding off the energy of the audience. Uh, when we talked about the Joe Keenan sort of farce episodes last time, like the cabin episode, like they talk about how the audience was like losing their minds at how funny something is. Um, but these, a lot of these episodes that we're looking at this week, I don't know which ones you picked, but a 
a lot of them require like weird staging. A lot of them sure. require intense amounts of like internal monologue. Daphne Returns needs a lot of green screening because yeah. they're literally inserting uh, Kelsey Grammer and David Hyde Pierce into scenes from previous episodes. So thought, what were they yeah. saying? I thought it looked great. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks I, very for 90s. For the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that sort of, and that energy feeds into this, the, the surreal quality that these sequences have because you can sense something is off. You can sense that mm. even just the way that they're recording, the way that they're being shot. Uh, one of the other episodes I was thinking about um, where they're, uh, oh, Freudian Sleep, the one where... Uh, they're all taking turns sleeping. It's like this nested dream sequence. Like there's some very tight shots. I don't think we've ever seen a close-up on Niles's face quite as tight as during his dream sequence. And like that surreal yeah. quality lends itself to that um, that strange energy that reverberates through these later season episodes. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. Freudian sleep was. I think that was the last season, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's eleven fourteen. Um, yeah. I, I found that in general, like. We talked about um, last time sort of farce and how the show eventually was allowed to become so Baroque that you could open at the end of a farce. There's that one where um, Martin comes on stage and is like disguised as the Duke, some kind of Italian Duke, and we never <laughs> even find out what it was. Um, and that sort of Baroqueness also starts like I, the episodes I thought were the weirdest also largely coincide in like the last four seasons because the show's oh. formula has become so reified or so stale that it can now start really experimenting with these like nested dream sequences or like sliding Frasers where um, the show opens with a title card that says, this is going to get like, that's the type, that's the insert card we get. And then it like depends on you keeping track of when Frasers arm is broken in a shot and when it's not so that you know, which alternate reality we're in uh, at various yeah. moments. So it, like it starts demanding more of the audience, not just a live audience, but like the viewing audience at home. Oh yeah, I did. I that is definitely a high the sliding doors thing. Yeah, I forgot about that episode. That was weird. Yeah, it's so strange. Um, I th are we I talking think, about the episodes yet, or do you want to talk? Oh, about we totally can. Yeah, I think it's totally fine to just go back and forth. We don't have to go like episode to episode if there's just things that come up to you. Oh, um, okay. If that is okay, because. I wanted to tell you my fun fact that I learned. Okay. And it First, relates. Or... It, yes. It relates to what we're talking about, okay. which is <laughs> specifically <laughs> you were talking about the Freudian sleep episode. So it's a good segue. But first I'll ask you this. Do you have in that episode, like a favorite sort of dream or nightmare of, of any of the people that, you know, in that episode, whether it be Martin's um... musical I the find Martin's stuff? musical the most upsetting really? <laughs> to watch <laughs> because there's something just so off about it. There's something <gasps> so, it feels like a sequence out of Twin Peaks. Like there's yeah. no real joke in it. It's just like he's dancing and like sure. we're, we're immediately off put by the fact that he throws away his cane, right? Like that is, it's weird to see Martin without his cane. I start to worry for him as soon as he doesn't have it. He's also, John Mahoney is not singing well, which I don't know if he can. Um, I don't remember if he's particularly musical as a performer or not, but it feels yeah. like full of these strange choices. They start harmonizing. The can-can the dancers come on. I find that one the most upsetting. My favorite visual <laughs> gag in the episode is when the woman comes on during Daphne's dream 
dressed mm-hmm. as Martin. She's like this sexy pinup version of Martin Crane with the cane and the like flannel top that's like tied around her waist. And and Niles <laughs> drags her off stage to have sex with her. She's like, Dad, and like that's Ew, the, <laughs> that's that maybe weird. my favorite moment. <laughs> Do you have a You're favorite? Right. Well, so um yeah. And so the thing is, I liked there's only, I think, in my mind, two instances where Martin gets musical. Mm. I think that's not true. You do actually hear him. Okay, there's when he does the the uh, the Frank Sinatra song. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right? So John Mahoney can sing for sure. I think like it's very. I wouldn't say he has this incredible voice, but it feels. I don't know if I feel like he's done it before. This is me going off of zero research and just a feeling. But well, I bring he's definitely the- like a stage actor. I mean, he has that sort yeah. of. Like Frank Sinatra is a natural reference for him. Like, can Frank Sinatra sing? Yeah, kind of. In that way that yeah. it's like it always sounds like he's just kind of talking, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so this is what I this is what I learned. Get ready. So so because I like listening to him sing, and I know for you it was a bit it was upsetting to watch. I was I was all for the musical. I am all for when Frasier sings, and so. When I was talking to Joe Keenan, at, I think during an early season uh, of Frasier, there like a composer um, that I believe Joe Keenan had worked with before had proposed doing a musical episode of Frasier. Oh, yeah. So, oh, okay. Maybe you knew that. Well, no, I, I didn't, but it makes 100. I mean, my instinct is always <laughs> like, we need to do a musical episode. And like this cast could belt it for sure. Right. And the reason... I I believe this is most of what Joe said was that it was going to be logistically really difficult to do, like to do it well for one episode, you know, just writing it and then having the actors and some of them didn't have the experience, you know, singing and memorizing lines and everything. Um, So I believe logistics was a big part of the reason it didn't happen. But I was very excited at the thought. Is that something you wish you could have seen or did happen like yes a musical i mean obviously listening to kelsey Grammer sing is like great I, in fact he yeah. sings in he sings in the uh the sliding frasers episode we just talked yeah. about it's one of, it's one of yes. the ways he off puts <laughs> the the love interest in it but obviously his voice is just so amazing but i can i can 100 percent believe that a music like when buffy the vampire slayer did a musical number it basically demanded the entire a musical episode it demanded the entire resources of that season right like Whedon basically spent the whole summer writing one episode so it is like it is one of the most classic episodes of the series but it's it's a demanding project I could yeah. see how that would be very difficult unless you did like a jukebox kind of musical where like you used pre-written songs you know like uh. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Maybe for the reboot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Episode four of the Frasier reboot, which I have not yet been invited <laughs> to write on. Have you been invited to write on it yet? Um, No, I have not. Where I'm are our invitations? I can't believe this. What? <laughs> well, this is what I'm very curious about. So I'm curious about who Kelsey Grammer met with because so – Funny enough, I talked to Joe Keenan probably two days, I, I want to say, before that, like, that story came out. That, oh, yeah. Like, Kelsey Grammer was, like, in talks or something. But when I brought it up to Joe Keenan, you know, he made it sound like that was not something that was in the cards. And he was like, especially because, you know, John Mahoney is not here anymore. And I was like, I totally respect that. Uh-huh. Um, 
and I still do. However, I think at some point, as much as I was like, oh, I don't know. And then like, I like I think that same day that that news came out, by nighttime, I'd had a whole day to process the reboot news. <laughs> and I was walking down the street uh, with my boyfriend, who, by the way, is fully aware of this podcast. And in early episodes, like the <laughs> se- episode one, he uh, did the sound for me in my apartment. So he's um, fully aware. And he was so yeah. At- podcasts together, shows <laughs> together, I think. Exactly. And so- He was like, so you're telling me you have no interest in being involved in this reboot? And I was like, well, actually, and then it just came out of my mouth. I was like, (laughs) no, actually, there's an entire premise I can see that I would be into. So I'd love to get into. What would be your pitch? Okay, here's my pitch, and then I would love to hear yours. And I do, by the way, feel that this falls into high concept of weird and weird because at this point, the idea of this future of more Frasier is high concept to me uh, because it currently does not exist. Uh, Okay, here's my pitch. Here we go. So in my mind, I would very much want the reboot. And actually, a reboot would be... uh, I'm this, this is a continuation. I don't know. I get confused about reboot, like as in, is this Archie but Riverdale or is this right. a continuation? I guess so it's a it, revival. Or, perhaps like yeah, a will, okay. like what, like what's happening with like Will and Grace right sure. now. So that's, that's what I'm imagining. This is, this is picking up uh, uh-huh. now in current day. So what I'm picturing is um, Martin is definitely acknowledged. And to me, a big reason, because, you know, at the end of Frasier, Frasier has left Seattle and we don't know what happened to him and if he links up with Charlotte. Um, But in this future, in this current day and age, I would would think perhaps that there is a big, sort of the big event that brings the family back together in Seattle is Martin has passed away. So he comes back to Seattle where, and I still haven't decided if he ended up living happily ever after with Charlotte or if he, you know, settled down somewhere else, really given this some thought. So Uh he, he comes back um, and he isn't particularly super close with Freddie as I don't think that he ever really was. Um, Comes back to Seattle. Are we back in Seattle? Yes. Everyone's back in Seattle because Martin has passed away. Um, You know, I think, uh, Niles and Daphne have stuck around and they have at least one child who's, I guess, not a child anymore. It's been a while, right? How many yeah, years has it's, it been? He's like, what, 15? Uh, 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 is oh that right? 2004? Yeah. 2004? And David is his name, right? Because he's named after the creator who passed away in 9-11. Uh, that's... Um, so Although, I mean, not yes. to, okay, you keep, you keep saying what you were saying. Um, All right. So, so it's literally so, like they're there for Martin's funeral. Is that like they're there the for Martin? They're there for Martin's funeral. Okay. Freddie. And I mean, I mean, I know this is controversial, but I am like trying to like the circle of life thing. So basically the idea is Frazier comes back. The fact that Martin has passed away is a really big turning point in everyone's life. And he does decide to come back to Seattle. I haven't fully figured it out. But the plan is that Freddie reconnects to and comes back to Seattle uh-huh. and and perhaps they end up living together. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I went there. OK, I did. I feel self-conscious about it because I recognize is it the most original premise? No, it isn't. But I would say there are some parallels between Freddie's relationship with Frazier and Frazier's relationship with his father, Martin. I mean, they never got the chance yeah. to, to fully live together. They definitely, at least especially 
uh, when once Freddie like hits his sort of like goth phase, uh-huh. there's definitely some drifting that I do see happening. I, I know that they do have a bit of bonding, but it does seem like they're not a hundred percent the same. Uh-huh. So I was picturing coming back to Seattle, either that or uh, like, I just feel like I need the generations to come together again. I need, I need Freddie. I need Frasier. Uh, oh wait, I guess that's just two. Oh, and Niles is in the mix. Of course, Niles is in the is is okay. All right, yeah, I had a similar. Is it my turn? Did you? It have is more your yet? turn. Okay, all right. I had a similar. <laughs> I was tweeting about it before this. Um, basically, when I had the firestorm of where I just spent like a month watching Frasier, I was like, what would happen if it came back? Like, I didn't even know that this reboot was in the mix, and my idea was similar. So we're along parallel tracks. So you definitely aren't allowed to call yourself a hack because I'm a hack too. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I would think my idea was, okay, what if um, Will and Grace had the same problem where the sort of the older cast members, like they had to, um, the maid, although the actress is still alive, she couldn't be in the show anymore. So they actually did oh. kill her off. Oh. Um, yeah. And it's like a quite moving, actually. Megan Mullally's performance is really amazing in that episode. Wow. Um, but yeah, I also think that you would want to pay some kind of homage to um martin crane has passed away even in the last few episodes last few seasons of fraser martin is thinking about his impending death and he's thinking about eddie's impending death and he's thinking them together so i think that that is something you would want to be part of the story and i would want but my idea was what if freddie was like one of these um like uh elon musky like uh um Oh, what's the Facebook guy's name? I can't even remember. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. What if he was like one of these Zuckerbergian, Steve Jobsy kind of like, what if he was the son Fraser has to live with? But the problem huh. this time is that he sort of has abandoned the sort of literary, artistic, humanist values that Fraser so admires. So what if he was just like, he's in the same clothes every day. He's like, his apartment is like this man child like mm. beanbag chairs like he's not he's not martin he's not like old school traditionalist he's like right. this new kind of tech person who doesn't have like the refinement he just eats like soylent every day and he just like he wears the same things he eats the same <laughs> things he has no sense of culture anymore so i was like what if fraser's like radio program bombs and now he's coming back as like this podcast artist but he's broke <gasps> And he's, oh like, living God. with his rich son who also doesn't want his fuddy-duddy dad around. And now the joke is that Frasier has become sort of the old-school figure that doesn't understand the new kids and their technology and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I am very into this premise. <laughs> and we also have David. I would want David to be back, the son, because he would be, like, 15 now. Uh, Roz's yeah. kid, what, um, what's her name? Oh, God. Alice. Alice, Alice is probably yes. a teen now. So yeah. we've got some teens. That's uh, true. One of the there... flash forwards says there's yeah. two girls that um, Niles and Daphne have in the hospital episode. Oh, yeah. So there's some kids, you know. This could definitely be like a, well, not not the same as Girl Meets World, but it could be. You've got <laughs> like Fuller multiple. Fuller House, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Fuller House, but not but better than Fuller House. Well, because uh, we're writing it, right? Like, right. We're involved. It's it's, I think it's, yeah. I wonder what... Um, you know, inter- like if it ever came to pass um, doing doing the reboot, like whoever was in charge of hiring, like I wonder if they'd go with people 
that were say heavily and emotion you know emotionally invested in the show <laughs> or would they rather somebody who was like distant from it i don't know i guess i am we'll... i am willing to entertain any and all calls um my <laughs> agent can send spec scripts if you guys need it let me know let me know i'm out here you know i'm not doing anything i'm sitting on the couch watching fraser episodes on sunday so I don't have an agent, and so you can just email me, go to my website, everything's there, I'll call you. Yes, I would love to be involved. Actually, back to the sun for a second. So my first thought after I was thinking about the the fact, I didn't even really have Freddie mapped out in my head in terms of his personality, but I started thinking about who would play him. So oh, you I, want to recast, because the sun is like. still, he's still working. He, oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. I don't even know his name. Do you? Uh, not off up. the top of my head, but I know he has, he like, he's like, not just like working. He's like on something semi-famous still. I, I got distracted because now I actually looked up Freddie Frazier because I, okay, I see what he looks like. He could be a mogul. It's true. Yeah. He um, definitely has the like, he's never lifted anything more than five pounds kind of vibe that I like. Um, I don't know what his comic timing is like. What's his other IMDb stuff like these days? I don't know. Le- truly, I just was looking at headshots of him <laughs> on Google <laughs> Images. Um, so I feel like I apparently care so much about your opinion about Frasier that I like, I'm just going to say it. Somebody popped into my head and I feel like it's crazy. But I was thinking about Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, Fox. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean... I have a Jesse Eisenberg likability thing. I don't. Yeah, know I if... don't like him at all. That's yeah. The <laughs> I mean, I <sighs> like that. I think that he's. I'm sure he's lovely as a person, and I'm sure, like, I like that he weaponizes his unlikability to play these like, like the Lex Luthor character, which is really just a riff on the Zuckerberg character, right? Like, yes. he's played this character a few times, so it's probably right. But then, like, I want him to be vulnerable. I want him to start opening up as a person as the series goes, you know? Like, I want the sure. episode where he, like, learns to love opera or, like, yeah. learns how to woo a woman properly from Fraser with properly in quotes, you know? Like, sure. I want to see those things. And Eisenberg might be tough. Um, I agree. I mean, the thing about Eisenberg is the only thing that I truly, like, and I feel like it's because I... I'm not going to say that I dislike him as a human being, but I know I didn't like him as Lex Luthor. Right. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if he's, oh, it's, oh, it's upsetting no. to think about. <laughs> I'm sure he's, he, I'm sure he's amazing in person, but he knows how to be that sort of reptilian yeah. um, intellect really well. And I want someone, I want someone who just hasn't given it any thought. Like he hasn't yeah. really thought about like his hygiene or like putting product in his hair or anything like that. I don't know who could play, who would do that? Like Michael Sarah's almost too overexposed, but he, that's the energy I right. would want. Like, Yes, that's the thing. I was thinking, because Michael, to me, Michael Sarah uh, and Jesse Eisenberg are slightly interchangeable. I mean, they right. definitely have this neuroses. And, you know, I forget sometimes that Niles, not Niles, that Freddie is also Jewish. He needs that Jewish neuroses. Right, he's that Jewish like nebbish quality. Absolutely. And, and the mogul thing, Definitely, I can see it. His name, by the way, for the actor who plays Freddie is Trevor Einhorn. Uh, his He is 29, by the way, which okay. weirds me out. In my mind, I was like, he's older than me. He's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of an IMDb page, I... Oh, here it is. Okay. So... Oh, wow. Oh, he. it's so weird. If you go... I know you can't see it, but at some point, when you go to his IMDb page, the picture of him, he's wearing these very nice, like 
uh, fancy like silver frames and looks like a, a an ex president in the nineteen oh. fifties. It's it's very interesting. He I was feel in, like it's his yeah. part to lose. He can screen test. Like I'm happy to. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure I'd, the execs will have opinions. You know, it's I'd not... want to give him a chance. And also, yeah. <laughs> this is this is a TV revival. Meaning to me, I would think you want to get TV people in here, mm-hmm. not necessarily a Jesse Eisenberg. Right. Would he even yeah. do the Frasier revival? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I am um, 100% down with your uh, with your revival, especially because I think I hadn't thought about how um, what was going to separate and cause all of the hilarious and emotional friction. Right. Uh, yeah. Between you need, your, you need your tinderbox, right? Like you need to have things Absolutely. going on. Um yeah, I mean the new girl cast is free. Maybe Jake Johnson wants a crack at it. He might be. Ooh. I don't know how old they are now. Like that's that's right. Like I'm thinking of who's good at playing like slobs, uh, and he knows how to be a slob. Uh, He's very sloppy. If anything, <laughs> some of the way he and like I don't think there'd be anything wrong with a bit of Martin's, you know, sp- specks sprinkles of Martin. Yes. Uh, in Freddie, and I see that in Jake Johnson. For yeah. Sure. See, the thing I would want, I would want him to also drink Valentine's, but he's drinking yeah. it ironically now, right? Yeah. Like, it's like he wears hair wax. Rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> I think. And there's nothing more unlikable than, well, most and awkward than, uh, than a lot of the characters on, um, what was that show with TJ Miller that he's not on anymore about oh the, I forgot. It's on, it's on HBO, but it's a whole show about. Oh, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, Silicon oh, Valley. Oh, right, yeah. So the, right there, you've got like a pretty good prototype. And yeah, any, yeah. Anyone on that show. So if we open with your funeral, we can have him like raiding Martin's closet. Like he's wearing all of Martin's old shirts. Like <laughs> Absolutely. But they're I not mean, tucked I, in anymore. That's the difference. Yeah. And I feel like anyone that did the revival justice would show Martin uh, a high amount of respect. Yeah, like, yeah. It's I what kind I of want it to yeah. be the opposite. I'd want the set to be the opposite of the Frasier set where it's just yeah. like all this like hipster junk and then yeah. Frasier's one really nice chair. Like that would right. be like one beautiful Eames chair in the middle of this like $5 Ikea garbage. Like that would be the set I'd want to build for it. Yes. And I'd also love to see Frasier in an Ikea or just trying <laughs> to set up something from Ikea. And Might. I feel like that's a bit beneath him to set up his own furniture. Yeah, um, he's incapable of irony. And so I'd like to see him oh, attending yeah. like these ironic parties or like, like having like dealing with some shitty record machine from like Urban Outfitters or something like that. Like, I love that. Yeah, like I like I like the idea of putting him. I'm trying to think of things that are so far ahead of Frasier that he like Snapchat. <laughs> yes, that's, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> there's one. I mean, if you really need or if we need any inspiration, I don't know if you listened, but I did an episode. Uh, I did the 10th episode of this podcast with um, Dan Chamberlain, who is a really funny actor, writer, comedian uh, in New York. He does. And I apologize for breaking the walls here. But he, I, I interviewed Fraser Crane for an entire episode. It's completely <laughs> crazy. It's completely insane, Anthony. Like things, I mean, go in the, like I had already, the idea was that I was talking to Fraser Crane and he was down, like sort of down on his luck money-wise. And right. that just opens up a lot of comedy in terms of the fact that he's like, I need to come down to the level of all these 
just other people. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like he's got to go to the convenience store to get his wine now. He's got to like. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. We, we <laughs> he's do trying ex- to get things out of Blue Apron now or something. He's. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think he would like Blue Apron. Yeah, you I think? Like, I mean, is it? Well, okay. So I've never actually used Blue Apron, but I thought that they delivered fancy foods. Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, I, my sister uses like a Blue Apron adjacent. I don't even know which one of them it is. We're not we're not plugging a service here, by the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I will Blue Apron. But yeah, <laughs> Do you want like, me to? <laughs> maybe, maybe his new podcast has to negotiate with his like Blue Apron-esque sponsor and he's like not happy about it or something. I don't know. I love it. We'll get to the whiteboard on this and just start sketching ideas. Yes. Oh, by the way, um, I don't know if you saw, but on Netflix, there is a new movie starring Kelsey Grammer called Like Father. Okay. I have not. So I watched it. Uh, So it's called Like Father starring, I actually am very into the premise. It's um, Kelsey Grammer um, starring as Kristen Bell's estranged father. So he is her, he left her at a very young age. He comes back to see her get married, even though he's not invited. She gets left at the altar. And then uh, they, um, the two of them get really drunk. Um, She's not happy to see him, but she's also lonely. They get really drunk. And then she, he ends up coming with her on her honeymoon, which is on a cruise. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot more emotional than you'd expect, but the cr- the weird thing is realizing like how old he is now. Yeah, so like if yeah. there were a reboot, like the the timing would work like in terms yeah. of age, because that's the weird part about watching like the like an early season of Frasier where I'm like, wait, how old is Martin supposed to be? Sixty yeah. five. I know it's weird. Like I, my experience was watching the early season being like, oh, my God, Martin Crane is so hot. Like yeah. I would 100 percent date Martin. Crane. <laughs> it's like this is I mean, this is not someone's dad. This is someone's daddy. Like he looks cute <laughs> in those early seasons. Uh, he's even got at the some end, charm. he's super cute. He I has a lot of charm. He's very charming. Yes. Yeah. You know, he just like, he smells like cedar wood and like cigars. <laughs> like, oh boy. Cigars. <laughs> would you say he was in terms of, I feel like we've never talked about this. Would you say of any character on that show, there's one that you're like, yes, that is the most handsome. That is my, my oh, Mary of my well, fuck I Mary mean- Kill. I've heard Keenan actually talk about how like stunt casting handsome people was always a problem because they were never funny. Like the handsomest oh. person who's ever on the show is the the ski gi, the ski instructor. Like yes. David Hyde Pierce has an amazing thing where he just like talks about how he couldn't remember his lines because of how hot that guy was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Martin does it for me. I like his warmth. I I mean obviously as a I don't need to date a Niles because I am a Niles. Like I'm too fussy. I don't need another fuss. Like That's give fair. me someone who's just like <laughs> I like it. Opposites um, attract. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, yeah, I would 100% date Martin Crane. Plus he's got a dog. Like that's oh, even I better. Like dogs. everything about those flannels. Like <laughs> <laughs> I love the flannels, but I have to say, I think I probably am probably mostly a Niles, but I will definitely say I was very attracted to him, especially like I can give you a specific like 
outfit that I liked and whole oh. vibe, which was when he um, when Na- when Daphne has a fight with Sherry and ends up staying at his um, at the Montana with him. And I specifically remember like, they're like trying to share a fan and like uh, Niles thinks something's going to happen, but he's wearing all white linen and it really works for him. Oh. He's wearing white linen pants, like loosely, like like, you know, buttoned down a little bit. And I was like, that was like the first episode I watched where I was like, okay, I, really? I, I can get into this. That's See, that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I like, I'm very, I find David Hyde Pierce very attractive, like, especially like now or like, actually I was watching one of the weird episodes um, I was watching is the one where Niles is uh, growing a beard because they're like living the island life. And as oh, soon yeah. as he like relax, also in white linen, now that I think about it, as soon as he relaxes a little, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, Cause he like, one of the things he does when he plays Niles is he like turns all that like sexual charisma way down, right? Like he's got steel in his spine that David Hyde Pierce just doesn't like Hyde Pierce is so comfortable in his skin and Niles never is. And I guess that never works for me. Um, But Oh God, like when he's on the good wife or um, like his like stage role, like as soon as I watched like a clip of him, like introducing even like at an awards show, it's like, Oh my God. But Niles never, never actually. Yeah, he's pretty neurotic. Um, I actually really enjoy um, and would probably be like, yeah, this would make sense. Like when uh, there's like at the beginning of an episode with when they're at Cafe Nervosa, Roz sees a guy that she thinks is cute or no, she decides he's bad in bed because of the way he's blowing on his coffee. And Niles is doing all the same things. I was like, yeah. And she says, uh, you don't even wrinkle the sheets, do you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I hope he really started to let go of all of his sexual inhibitions when um, he and Daphne got together. But that's just uh, me. We hear that we hear that he did. Like when they, there's a few weird episodes. Plus, it's so strange how like this is happening. But there are a few weird episodes clustering around. Actually, the one we were just talking about, the one where they're green screening them into shots, is yeah. the night that episode ends with the first time they have sex. Oh yeah, like, that's yes. why he's freaking out, and that's it's a cleverly like constructed episode because the show has a problem which is that um niles as a character has put daphne on too much of a pedestal and there is like a creepy dimension to their relationship and they do the very smart thing of hanging a lantern on and being like okay what if we just take a full episode to process that creepy energy um, and put it in front of the audience and put in front of the characters but it ends with them having like we hear about um oh there's a flashback to the night after they have sex in the second to final episode of the series which is also uh-huh. a super weird one um okay. the crock pot one do you remember this one uh a little but i would love for you to refresh <laughs> my memory <laughs> i think it's called crock tales okay um, and it is that. again one of these incredibly archly structured episodes so the mm-hmm. conceit of it is that um fraser is throwing a dinner party uh and he's cooking, he's, it starts with him cooking in the kitchen and he's on the phone to whoever, I think it may be Charlotte by this point. Yeah, because um. Charlotte's the last girl. Um, mm-hmm. So he's cooking and he's like, I'm throwing a dinner party just like I've thrown a hundred times before for just my family. And he goes to reach for a spoon that's in this little crock pot and mm-hmm. the, it chips apart in his hand. And he's like, oh, this damn crock pot. And then the episode keeps telescoping back in time to previous years oh Um, yeah and it's every scene is centered around the crock pot somehow they're all wearing terrible wigs because they're all trying to look like in previous seasons (laughs) oh i i vaguely remember this because of the wigs yes Yes, there's some bad shake and go wigs poor uh, gary gilpin is in like 
some is... really rough plastic fantastic wigs. But um, every wow. sequence sort of takes a moment to nod at the crock pot. And one of the flashbacks is to the night after um, Daphne and Niles have sex. And we hear both of them talking about how like aerobic it was and how he flipped her over. Like she had the time Ooh. of her life. Um, <laughs> Great. I'm so I'm ha- it sounds like things uh, are good and spicy and fun in their um, in their sex life. I will tell you, it is really funny to just write the name of that episode and Frasier into Google Images because all the wigs are here and they're terrible. They're oh, all they fun. are so bad. Even Niles's wig because they have to wig him up to make him look like season one Niles, right? So he needs the long hair. Also, his hairline is moved a little forward. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what's even harder because I that's 100% not the first show to do it where you got some people that are now seven, eight, nine years older, and now they've yeah. got wigs on, and it's just, it's not a good look. You're like, oh, yeah. wait, that makes you look even older. <laughs> yeah. And they have to they have to sew in, they don't move Frazier's hairline, but they have to sew in the long hair at the back, because season one, oh. he has that really long hair. So yeah. <laughs> I, the final flashback of the season, of the episode is to the uh-huh. night, the night after the first episode, where um, Roz meets Martin for the first time. Oh and, yeah, and that's why they have the crock pot. Is that it's the cheese, the fake cheese product that Martin <laughs> buys to apologize to Fraser for throwing out his expensive cheese. Um, and it's this great way. The episode is like this fantastic way to flash back through the series' run. Like it's it's it knows it's the second to last episode. It's the last breath before the big like baby coming and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, like yeah. it's like a farewell to all of these like moments throughout the series it's like a bunch of little farce plots being quickly discarded and like not really filled out like they get locked out on the balcony we never see what happens <laughs> um it's really cute really sad the final image is in the stinger you know the silent the silent end of the episode yeah where fraser um puts flowers into the crock pot and then fills it with water and it just falls apart it just starts bringing Aww. water everywhere and it's like it's like the show is done right it's like Wow, that's Goodbye. very... It's really sad. <laughs> that's very dramatic. I do want to watch it. I'm going to rewatch it because it's been a oh, while. And it's so right good. Now, Not particularly funny, but really yeah. good. Yeah, there's definitely some more serious episodes of Frasier. I, ooh, you know what? I'm going to write that down for a future episode. <laughs> serious episodes of Frasier. Oh, um, well, yeah. In my experience, the serious ones are the weird ones. Like, um, yeah, what else is on your view? list? Which one you- is that? Rooms with a View is the the episode where Niles has the heart attack. Oh he, yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's like flashes of you know what is it the past, the future, going yeah. through the hospital, you know, going through the halls. Yeah, it's like it's part of a three parter. It's like the middle episode, and so not much actually happens plot wise. Um, yeah. he's just like getting ready to go into surgery, um, and everybody is reacting very differently, right? Like Fraser is over-preparing. He's made like handouts to everybody so they'll know what the surgery will be like. <laughs> Daphne has gotten very quiet. Um, and Martin is doing the thing that we learn in the episode he always does in moments of panic, which is to completely downplay it and make jokes about like, oh, you're being a lazy bones and all this stuff. You're being a gold brick. Um, yeah. But as they're wheeling Niles away, they like inject him with um, a sedative and he gives this speech um, about how all roads lead to the hospital. Um, oh. uh, do you think a hospital has memories? He says, he says, like, he says, like, I bet when I walked in, the hospital thought, like, oh, you're that little boy who broke his leg in 19 whatever. Yeah. Um, 
And then the episode just like starts flashing back, like as they're wheeling him down the hall, it keeps panning into the different um, rooms of the hospital and showing us these flashbacks to like that day when they were kids and he broke his leg or um, Maris is crying because her surgery didn't go the way she wanted. And Niles is again in his wig being like, don't worry, Maris, (laughs) they'll cut more off next time. Um, Or like uh, Martin introduces uh, Frasier to baby Niles so it's oh, like, yeah. it's, so it's not a funny episode, but it is so strange. And then we're in the present day and Martin is trying to get a chocolate bar out of the vending machine and Daphne smashes it with um, a fire extinguisher and That's bursts right. into tears. Like it's, yeah. it's too much almost. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, uh, you know, as you're, you're mentioning the, the fact that a lot of these more high concept, intense, you know, episodes happen later on. Do you think at some point, like in the writer's room, it was like, okay, everybody, like, because, you know, I have not been in one, but I wonder if it was a thing (laughs) of like, everyone who's, who's been here from the beginning, who's had some crazy ideas, let's hear them. Because they really, I mean, that one is, that one is definitely stands alone for sure. Like, I mean, as in, I mean, there's definitely as the series goes on and Actually, okay, yes, I've definitely seen that in sitcoms where you start to have more flashback episodes, but that one was particularly heartfelt and, Um, you know. The thing I found when I was looking, again, I came into this with really no preconceptions. And the same way that last time when we were thinking about queer Frasier episodes, we ended up circling Joe Keenan so much. Like, oh, look, Joe Keenan here, Joe Keenan here, like. As soon as you start listing the queerest moments in Frasier, you always find the same writer is usually yeah. behind them. I found yeah. in working, like just going through the list, like literally just sitting and being like, okay, if you ask me to make a list of the weirdest episodes, you have to talk about the Crock-Pot. You have to talk about um, Freudian sleep with the weird surrealist, like Niles baking a baby into a pie and like right. <laughs> Daphne being dreaming about how fat she's gotten and all that. And it's like, what I noticed is that my top 10 list only really has three writers on it. It only has Ooh. Bob Daly, um, okay. Dan O'Shannon, Laurie Kirkland, and John Sherman. Usually Bob Daly and John Sherman working together. It's like always oh. those four names. So like, who aren't, they're not like the creators of Frasier. They're not like the big, they don't write the big episodes. They write the strange episodes, the episodes that start like, um, who wrote Don Juan in Hell? Like that's another. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't Don Juan in Hell is Laurie Kirkland, right? Like, it's always the same three, it feels like. I don't know why. I don't know what they're... It looks like a lot of them went on to work on Desperate Housewives, which also oh. also has oh. that kind of Baroque, like um, a show turning back on itself kind of energy. Like what happens when something starts thinking about its own weirdness, starts thinking about being a mockery of the thing it's pretending to be. Interesting. Um. <laughs> I didn't think, no, I mean, I didn't think about that. Like you were the one that made me realize that Joe Keenan had written a lot of mine and your favorite episodes. So that makes, and the, and they definitely share some similarities. Yeah. Um. So that's really interesting. Um, that makes I'm just looking see- at my notes. Daphne Returns, which we already just talked about the green screen episode. That's Dan, Dan O'Shannon and Bob Daly too. Like it's really oh. always the same people. It's so strange. I want to talk to all of them. Mm, <laughs> I don't know how. To. I don't know how many of them are on Twitter. Um, jo- uh, uh, so far, it's uh, it's Joe Keenan. 
Yeah. And well, I mean, I, all of them have that Fraser money. They, even if they're on Twitter, they're probably not checking it as much as we are. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. I would love to. Um, this is not something I've, I've I've asked, but I think about it a lot, which is like, if you're a writer on, if you had been a writer on a show like Frasier or Friends or Seinfeld, what does that money look like? Just specifically having been a writer on it, you know, do you mm. get a, what is it? Royalties? I don't know how it works. Um, I think you get, I mean, you get your paycheck for being on the show. You get, um, if you create a character, I was just talking to Jane Espenson who worked on Buffy just like literally a few days ago, which is why Buffy's so fresh in my head. Um, she said that yeah. uh, if you create a character who subsequently gets used in other episodes, for yeah. every episode they appear in, you get three hundred dollars. <laughs> so shit, that sounds. I doubt great. they get too much of a royalty back end, though. I wanted to ask you if you thought this was a weird episode. Actually, first, let me ask you: Is there an episode you have yet to mention yet that you have very strong feelings about as weird? And- uh, Don Juan and Hell. We talked about glancingly. That's the one a where. Bit. Um, that's the one Lori Kirkland wrote it. That's the one where Frasier, it's the opening of season nine. Um, uh-huh. again, one of these multi-part openers. And it's the one where Frasier is trying to pick between Claire and Lana, the right. the girl yes. from high school as the kid Kirby. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of has a crisis where he's like, what, like, what the fuck is wrong with me is what he, right. oh, sorry. What the hell is wrong with me? You can swear. I can't. It's I? totally oh, okay. fine. Well, you Frasier can didn't, fuck. but I did. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he has this crazy psychodrama. He drives up to a cabin and all his previous love interests manifest as like yeah. these figures of his self subconscious. So like Lilith is there, Diane is there, Rita one Wilson. of the many versions oh. of Nanette is there, and oh, his mom yeah. Hester's there. And, mom. Um, and they're right. all fighting with him about like why is your pattern always the same? Like, and he comes to the decision that he's alone because he's afraid to be alone. <laughs> okay, is the, is the end of the episode. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that He's one a- is like a really strange again, like not super jokey, very interior, very yeah. thinking about like a character study, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I-, I was going to say, I know this isn't the same, but I was going to say another episode I found. Let's call it high concept takes place in that same cabin. And that's Mamma Mia. <laughs> oh, yes, that is a strange. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, that. <laughs> that's. Mamma Mia spooked me, especially because they really go hard on, you know, what is it? Not Freudian, uh, but um, what is it? uh, No, it's definitely Freudian. His mom even in the flashbacks. Oedipus complex. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. It's so weird. It's weird because, well, also it's extra weird because now I've seen the episode of Cheers and I can't remember if we've talked about this or if you've seen it, but I watched the episode of Cheers, even though I don't watch Cheers, but somebody <laughs> told me to watch the episode where Hester comes to visit Frasier and his then fiance, Diane. And Hester is crazy. Like yes. when, yeah, he, like when, when, um, Diane, when Frasier goes to the bathroom, she's like, uh, you know, you leave my son or I'll kill you. And, or, and says like, I have a gun, like <laughs> yes, it's insane. Yes. And then, you know, you see Rita Wilson and you're like, Oh, I, w- I wish you were my mom. Yeah. So it's, it's um, hard to know. Don Juan in hell references that specifically. There's a moment where the Diane avatar confronts the Hester avatar and is like, you pulled a gun on me. And, and Hester is oh. just like completely dismissive of it <laughs> um, because so it has this funny. problem where like Hester is actually, she's a complicated figure in yeah. the history of the show, right? Like she Absolutely. isn't just like the show does put her on a pedestal of being like, well, Frazier does. He puts her on this pedestal of like she is even in Don Juan and hell. He's thinking about how she is 
the archetype of womanhood to him, mm-hmm. but he knows mm-hmm. she cheated. It comes up in Don Juan and Hell. Right. She cheated on Martin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, has that done some damage to him, even as an adult, where he thinks that there is no woman worthy of him, not even not even the female ideal of motherhood in this very Freudian way can measure up. So there is no woman. He will always find a flaw is what he's trying right. to deal with in Don Juan in Hell. Um, yeah. And the horror of the uh, Mamma Mia is that like, even when he finds the woman that is his mother, she still isn't right. (laughs) And casting, like, she doesn't just look like the mother. Like, we see that Rhea Wilson is his mother in that episode. Right, right. She's an uncanny, she's an uncanny recurrence to sort of use Freud's own language again. Like, she she confronts (laughs) us with something that is deeply unsettling. That's what's strange about that episode. When we see Martin react to seeing her, Right, it is deeply right. unsettling to the audience, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He looks completely freaked out. Also, I will, there's certain uh, moments uh, where I'm like, wow, free, like Kelsey Grammer, it, uh, like with uh, the way uh, David Hyde Pierce has this amazing sort of way he can like contort his body. Things that Frazier does with, or that Kelsey Grammer does with his face. Yeah. Um, there are moments that I just never forget. And one particular one, which honestly just freaks me out because it's the right face, is when his then girlfriend, who looks like his mother, like takes her clothes off because he's trying <laughs> to like get in the mood to have sex. And his, like his face and his mouth like opens wider than I've seen any <laughs> mouth open because he it's just truly horrifying when yeah. you're like oh my god i'm gonna am i gonna have sex with my mom <laughs> yeah and, um, and yeah. childish right like suddenly it is the face of a child like he, he's yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah that so that for me i consider that a weird high concept mm-hmm. episode um let's see so yes i i agree with everything you've mentioned like or, well mama be don juan and hell uh the impossible dream Oh. The impossible dream is the Gill one, right? The other Freudian dream. That episode. was another Freudian dream. Yeah. What do you think it means? I, I had a specific question and, and uh, you might have your own thoughts, but I never understood what it's supposed to mean or if it's sort of just like, you know, just ending on a funny note that the conclusion of that episode is Freud getting into bed with him. <laughs> right. I think we talked about this episode a little with the queer Fraser episode. We did actually, a little. Is like, um, the show is, I mean, it's Frasier's subconscious, but it's also the show's subconscious is what's being processed is like the show wants to, it's one of the episodes where the show thinks purposefully, purposively about how queer Frasier is and how queer Frasier and italics is, right? Like it's a show, right. it's an episode that's like, well, this character is a gay man in every way, except that he's not sleeping with men. So what does that mean? And to sort of throw <laughs> him in with Freud at the end. Um, I think the conclusion the episode comes to is that the dream was Frasier giving himself a problem because he had no problems, right? Like he's not, um, he's not satisfied in his career. He's not dealing with any interesting calls. So his brain creates a puzzle he can't solve. Um, Even the episode sort of builds in the mother stuff, right? Like the tattoo says Hesty, which Mm -hmm. he think he theorizes might be his mother's name, Hester. Mm -hmm. Um, that's right chesty <laughs> chesty yeah i don't sure. know i mean i think it's supposed to be one last little puzzle thrown at us that he Absolutely. gets in bed with freud i yeah i mean i i i conclude that in terms of the number well right now only two specific episodes come to or two anytime fraser anytime there's dreams on that show i'm very into it um yeah just because 
I feel like I can relate in, in terms of just having very uh, odd dreams. Uh, oh, really? Like I, I never remember my dreams. Never? Never. Damn. I never remember them. No. What about, have you ever had to like take NyQuil when you were sick? <laughs> <laughs> I truly bring that up because... If I've ever had to take NyQuil, which I don't like to take, I truly only take it when I like I'm truly congested and like can't fall asleep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I have the strangest dreams, just <laughs> just the oddest, strangest dreams. Wow, you don't remember your dreams? Okay, almost well, this never. Is- no, I think that um, I mean, as surrealist as the dream, like Freudian sleep is a very strange episode. Um, but it's I think. Just thinking about the fact that, I mean, Buffy also, we were talking about Buffy having a musical episode. Buffy has a dream episode that is also one of its most famous. And I think that what dream episodes give you and what the 90s could really do for the first time is use the surrealism of a dream episode and trust the audience to know the characters enough that you can do interesting character studies about Mm. them. Like that's Mm -hmm. what a dream episode lets you do is sort of, plumb the depths of what this character is thinking. It's also what the Don Juan in Hell episode is doing. Like, what if you just have a conversation about what the person is thinking and trust the audience that they don't need a series of, like, rollicking physical comedy jokes to make it work? Yeah. Um, well, also, I think, given what you, that idea, uh, I also would think if you're doing a dream episode, because I feel... I feel like, you know, if you're a writer and you're writing a character that you know really well in real life at a certain point, you're like, that character wouldn't do that. But I feel like you have a bit more of a free pass in a dream, you know? Um, And I mean, Frasier is one of the longest running characters in television history, right? Like he, between Cheers and Frasier, he was on the air for what, 20 years? Like at least 20, 22, I think. Cause I, cause it was like what, 11 years of Frasier and I think 11 for Cheers, I think. Right. Like there's that episode where um, Nanette in the present day sort of comes back. She's like a success. And uh, she like yells, you know what it's like to play the same character for 20 (laughs) years? And they let Kelsey Grammer have a reaction shot to that. And it's like, uh, we know a lot, and even the contradictions of Frasier is one of the things these dream episodes try to solve. Like, how do we make Nanette work as a character? Like, why would someone like Frasier have ever married a hippie? Um, yeah. How do we reconcile a Hester who packs a gun to the character <laughs> we've actually come to know quite well and quite with some psychological complexity? Um, the dream episodes sort of create a space to let these jagged edges of mismatch bump against each other and bring them to the surface which is also what like that's what the weird episodes that you do that's what the green screen episode of niles lets you do what happens when a person puts someone on an impossible pedestal how do we move past that um absolutely and these weird episodes say like look let us just like literally look at that let us have characters talk about it out loud and then we can process it in in front of the audience instead of not acknowledging it which is what an inferior show would do is just like, well, let's never mention Nanette again, right? Like sure. let's never, let's pretend Niles's idealization of Daphne is healthy. Let's write off the fat jokes as just being a way we escaped dealing with Jane Leaves's pregnancy. Instead, for a full year after that, Daphne is still thinking about her body's changes. Like in that dream episode, she hasn't been, she's pregnant and worried that she'll never be beautiful again. Um, oh, and having yeah. that processed in front of the in front of us is really neat. Having her freak out in the same episode that Niles is thinking about the green screen, having her trying to deal with the fact that she 
she decides she got fat because she could never live up to that ideal. She ate because, and they've never had sex because she can never be that ideal woman. Um, I think that's fascinating. And, and it's, it's also the, the episode where the, the show stops letting the fat jokes be funny in that episode. Right. Yes. Because I like, always felt weird about that. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Sure. And it's like there's a scene in it where they're still making them and they stop being funny. And Niles is making jokes about her diagnosis. And you can hear the live audience even start yeah. to not know if they're allowed to laugh anymore. Like right. Frazier has installed the oinking sound in the fridge and she yeah. yanks it out and crushes it. And then That's Niles right. keeps making these jokes. And you can hear some people in the audience are laughing and some of them are like, ooh. It's yeah. really amazing and it's really upsetting to watch. Yeah, no, it was definitely like that was very uncomfortable. Also, then for the first time, which is like just like I guess I felt like I was growing up with them, which was for like Niles being upset like at Daphne. Like I right. hadn't really seen that before. And like it's so I and I'm not saying it's unrealistic, but it's so like unpleasant. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, when he's just making snide remarks about her, I think her therapist. Her therapist, like, Gloria. Right? Niles, how dare you? You worship Daphne. This isn't okay, which I think also falls into, you know, watching things unfold. Yeah. And um, he says, I don't like your cooking. And then he says, um, you're not psychic, right? We have an <laughs> ugly fight. And it's important that it be ugly because it lets them have a real... That is the moment after they have that ugly fight that they can finally have sex because they're right. finally equals to each other. They're finally acknowledging flaws in each other. The last line of the episode is Niles saying, you know what, Frazier? It was nothing like I imagined. Like, because the yeah. ideal Daphne is kind of done. And now yeah. we can have a real meeting of minds between them. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap up, I just had... I don't know if epiphany is the right word, but I do remember like also if you type in, it's just fun to type in episodes of TV and see what comes up on Google <laughs> Images is the conclusion here. But when I typed in uh, Don Juan and Hell, like one of the first things that comes up is like Frasier opening the door and there they are. Just oh, all, yes. All the women. And at first, because like, number one. I roll my eyes because I'm like, oh, God, like how like, oh, look at all these gorgeous women. I, the, <laughs> let me you know, here's my suspension of disbelief that then once I got over that, I thought, wow. And perhaps you think about this, too. I've never thought of having everyone I was ever involved with romantically in one room. But the thought of it is truly frightening. Yeah, it's <laughs> that um, is Hester very frightening. There's the moment in it where Hester like enters and it's a, it's, it's a great entrance for Rita Wilson, but she looks around the room and she's like, well, this is the cream of the crop, huh? Like, <laughs> and that is like a really, I mean, the title Don Juan in Hell, it comes from um, uh, a Shaw mini, a version, a small version of a, a small section of a George Bernard Shaw play. But the idea that's the, that is why it is hell. Like what if Don Juan, the sort of famous lover, his version of hell would be to have to actually confront as real people mm. the persons that he has just treated as sexual objects like what if you were forced to reckon with what it meant about you that you had just sort of had these relationships with other people it is terrifying i can't even imagine what it'd be like having all my exes in the same room oh, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just picturing it right now it's upsetting <laughs> oh. the horrible the horrible experience also of being a gay dude is your exes can sleep with each other which oh maybe is my. not a- 
Oh my God. Sorry, that just made my head explode. Yeah, oh, like, that's. I've had exes hook up with exes, and that Whoa. is not something you ever want to imagine. <laughs> no, I mean, that's easily worse than the closest thing I could have to that, which I have never had, which is if I had ever been in, like romantically involved with like a guy in like a similar in like the same group of friends and then like somebody that no. I was friends with like a woman dated him that would be upsetting <laughs> but that's like a whole nother level oh yes yeah you should yeah. I don't know how if you have just tweet about that I just <laughs> it's just woo. I need to protect the parties involved but oh, um it is yeah it is not I mean it's also kind of Fraser's problem is like uh as much as Diane is one of the loves of his life. She's also, she left him for one of his best friends, right? So it's like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll really fuck you up. Not I mean, that Lilith I have... slept with his brother too, right? Yeah, like, that which... was. <laughs> I love that episode, by the way. I, it's that... a weird one. It's like, it is again, like interested in cultivating its surrealism. Like he's driving along the highway and they keep passing Nanette and the characters, because yeah. they're not playing themselves. They're playing versions of his mind. So like mm-hmm. he misremembers things and some of them will be like, actually, that was me. That wasn't her. Like, it's really neat to watch it happen. Absolutely. Yes. I'll also be curious, by the way, if this reboot or this revival actually happens, uh, what are what are the women? Who are the women going to be that oh, get man. matched up? You know, because I feel like it like thinking back on Martin in the like, who does he end up with? He ends up with the woman who babysat his kids and and i feel like that oh. tends to get overlooked do you remember that wendy malick yes. is ronnie right. is yeah ronnie, ronnie is fraser's old babysitter right so that's that's a weird thing but but then when i see people that are already like if if i if i see somebody in all honesty who's 65 and they're with somebody who's 10 years older i i feel that i'm still at a young age that like that doesn't seem that dramatic to me but then when <laughs> right. that, when it goes back further you know the fact that i am too old to date for for this this is the only reason i'm not dating uh, leonardo dicaprio because he only <laughs> dates 22 year olds now so right. it's like a very weird thing so i'm like ugh, if he gets matched up with i don't know wh- whoever's on riverdale right now i'm just gonna be really <laughs> really upset right i i mean as my martin crane fetishization indicates i tend to date older than me but oh, <laughs> um, oh. Uh, the temptation well, the right like the, now that i think about it freddie is however old 30 you said yeah alice is maybe 20 as a character and they're not related so one yeah. of the writer's room temptations might be to make that a thing absolutely i would want to run the math on how old alice is if it were up to me, Fraser and Roz have had a falling out, and now they're like almost antagonistic. Maybe oh. Roz is like running some kind of successful media empire, and yes. Fraser's on the outs. That would be something I, I'd want to think about. And then the absolutely. kids could get close, and that would be tension. Absolutely, and I would also happily love to see them reignite their friendship. Similarly to, I'm a big Parks and Recreation fan. I don't. Did you have you ever watched? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know. At some point, what is it in the last season? I think it's it's the future and oh uh oh okay. I don't want to ruin the show. Let's just say there's a <laughs> there's an episode where Ron and Leslie have had a falling out, and then I think they get locked in their office together and then um, reignite their friendship. Um, but it kind of starts off with them hating each other and they right. slowly open up. Uh, each Will other. and Grace infamously ends with that terrible fight, right? That the 
the reboot had to completely ignore, right? The end of the initial run of Will and Grace indicates that they cease being friends for decades. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. I the the, the last it. scene of Will and Grace is their kids are now at college together, and it's the first time the kids, the Will and Grace, have spoken in decades. Um, oh. It was the 90s, and the only way the 90s can imagine a relationship between a gay man and a straight woman <laughs> is as fundamentally toxic, right? Like, Of course. <laughs> well, listen, I, I would like to clear up one thing about the me having an issue with older men and younger women. This is why. This is specifically, I, I'm specifically speaking about straight older men. I am bitter because I do not feel that the reverse is is beloved. Like, I don't think it's a norm for an older woman to date right. a younger man. Yeah. That is my specific beef with that. It's specifically with straight <laughs> older men dating makes, younger women. It's what makes Roz so fun as a character, right? Like she's yeah. sort of unapologetic about these. Like, Abs- and what made her yeah. arc so interesting is like Alice came along and she's like, actually, this guy is kind of an idiot and like, let him go have his like young life. I right. can raise this kid on my own. Right. Um, it was very, to me, very logical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I didn't understand it as a kid, but now when I rewatched it, it's like, oh yeah, she's like, that's a hundred percent the right call. Like she she does the right thing there. Um, But she was never apologetic about it. She was always like, she was willing to hook up with these younger guys and whatever, as long as they were happy and having fun. Of course in the revival, in my mind, I'm seeing her still living that great life. Oh yeah. She's still dating like 25 years. Younger (laughs) men. Yes. I would love to see the younger men. I'm very excited about that. Well, if you can believe it, we've been talking for who who even knows how long it's been <laughs> magical. Um, so but I do I think at, I think we've got gone through a lot of uh, weird episodes. Yeah. And um, it sounds like we're both on board to be. I know I will be involved in any way that anyone will I have will, me I will in hold, this revival. Yeah, I will fill the background. I will paint Absolutely. sets. <laughs> yeah. And like being super realistically, like one of us is going to get hired in some way, shape or form. And that means the other one's going to like, if you, you know, you get end up doing something on that show, throw me in as an extra. Yeah. I'll oh, do yeah. And vice versa. Like, yeah. We'll, we'll just... <laughs> uh, I have so many connections to the cast, you know, I mean, just, you know, I do have, I mean, Joe Keenan and I have spoken on the phone. For... That's right. Yeah. You've got, you've got, uh, one of the great <laughs> minds of Frasier on speed dial. So you've got For an edge on me. 60 minutes. And by the way, I don't know if I would ever have the nerve because I never want to, I never want to bother a famous person, but like the only way I feel like I would run into David Hyde Pierce at this point, if he still takes the subway sometimes, that's <laughs> the only way. And I just don't see myself going up to him. Like I picture myself writing him a note and that would be really creepy and like giving oh, it to him. So I'll I can't have to even work imagine. Up. I'd be so nervous. He's so yeah, me too. Like I said, he's so beautiful, too. It's, yeah, I'm, like, flustered thinking about it. Um, Before we we end, I am curious, is there anything you would like me to plug? I was going to mention your Twitter. No, I have the the podcast, The Devil's Party, which is, like, me reading Paradise Lost. Um, But, yeah, the Twitter's fine. I don't, anything I do goes through the Twitter, so... Everything goes through the Twitter. (laughs) Sure do. (laughs) And and it's, um, let me make sure, Mia Koopa? Yeah, that's fine. And wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna spell it so that everyone knows what I'm talking about. Although chances are, if you're listening, I know why you're here. It's because Anthony's here, and I am very flattered oh, because please, no, 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 no. because 
you're oh, still no, be- riding that Joe Keenan wave, me, listeners. Me too, That's why. <laughs> me too, but um, but you do I, like, and I say this. This is a a, a full compliment. I it, it appears that you have very like loyal followers. That's like <laughs> what I've noticed of just like you know, people I follow is I don't have much interaction, to be honest, with most people that I follow, even people that I like. But I feel like that's what was so like nice. Like when I posted your episode, just like how many replies you got of just like <laughs> people that were like, yes, Anthony, my friend, because I, I, yeah, you just give I'm off very that online. I'm very online. <laughs> You're very online, so you should follow Anthony at Mia Koopa, M-E-A-K-O-O-P-A on That's Twitter because he's fun. Um, uh, and I mostly just do this. I mostly just like talk about Frasier. <laughs> That's so, great. I mean, listen, this is like right now talking to you combined with the fact that this sign, if listeners, you can't see it. But if you go to my Instagram very soon or, or by the time you listen to this episode, I will have posted a picture of me. Uh, with this really amazing sign that does light up, Anthony. Oh my God. It says it right recording now. now. I'm listening. It has the cutest little graphic of a little latte on it. I'm it obsessed. is adorable. And yeah, you have someone, that gorgeous painting behind you, which yes, is. Yes. That's my producer's. Uh, my producer, Caitlin, uh, decorated her office because this is not my office. Um, but yeah, you know, when, when uh, I eventually get some cast members in here. You know, we'll just take a sign. We'll take a picture next to the sign. By the way, Anthony, this is still a dream of mine to do a live episode. Um, I don't know how or when, but it might take place in New York. And if it happened, I would have to do some sort of pre-recorded segment with you or something. Um, <laughs> sure, I can be the caller that like comes oh, on with yes. the problem. Yeah, I'd love to have some callers. That'd be amazing. Well, thank you so much for stopping by the, well, the internet. We're on Google Hangout listeners. Um, (laughs) Thank you for having me. I feel like this made me think about a texture of the show and like a quality of the show. I hadn't given enough thought. And now it's like, I have like all these writers on my radar and these like weird thematic things on my radar. So thank you so much. Thank you for a good chat too. It's such a great chat. Thank you for a great chat. And, you know, I just hope eventually you end up like I, I mean, my choices were limited. When I was in college, I took a South Park class, which was, you know, I don't know why I did it, but (laughs) obviously you'll be doing the one on Frasier. Yes. I mean, well, you would, that's the dream. (laughs) Those who can't write the new Frasier reboot teach the new Frasier reboot. So that's fair. And I can't, I mean, I would, I'd like to think at some point, whatever Frasier news comes out, um, you're welcome back on this podcast anytime you want. Let's just dish about it. Sure. (laughs) Amazing. Love it. All right. Okay. Thank you so much, Anthony, for stopping by until next time. Good night, Seattle. 